We have uh, been led, Pastor Keith and I, to um, have one overarching scripture of our whole series, and I'm going to read that first, uh, which is Matthew uh, 6, 9 through 15, and then we'll go to the supporting scriptures that Keith is going to use today. So around the theme, and and wrap your mind around that, uh, the theme, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as as it is in heaven. The Lord's Prayer as spoken and told to us by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. This is then how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And later, words from our Lord again in Matthew 26, 39. The context is quite different, however, as he is in the Garden of Gethsemane. A bit farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And of course, in the great conclusion of the New Testament canon from the book of Revelation, words that you hear sung more often than you hear read, sung in Handel's Messiah, those words that proclaim who the Lord is. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. The word of God this morning for the people of God. Let us pray for our pastor who comes to interpret it and guide us through our understanding. May we pray. Holy, holy, holy God, you are the one and only. There is none like you. There is none beside you. You have no peers. You are the one and only, and you only we adore. We heard the words of our men's choir a few moments ago calling us to at the very name of, uh, of you to bow down. And we do, Jesus, bow down at your name. And we ask, O oh God, that you might appoint and anoint the one that has bowed down many times at your name, Pastor Keith. As he comes to speak this morning, consecrate the words that he is about to say. Let them be useful not only for our hearing, but for the building up of the kingdom. Let us know, Lord, how more fully to turn our lives completely to you after these moments of listening to Keith interpret your word than we did even when we came. And let thy will be done throughout our lives always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. I'm not dressed this way because I'm going on ragbri. But I am going on a bike ride. A couple of you are going too. We're having our motorcycle ride today after the 11 o'clock service, so I got the day off from the uh, typical pastor dress code at First United Methodist Church. And there will be a written proposal to the next ad council meeting uh, for a change permanently in that department. But um, <clears throat> We move on, right? Uh, it's good to be with you. I, was, I wasn't here with you last week. 
Well, yeah. I wasn't here with you last week. We got back from Summer Games University, and, and uh, we took a we took a, the weekend to go down to a, a little place near uh, Monmouth, Illinois, that we have on a lake, and just to to have some time down there as a family. And we're getting ready to go on vacation, so I'll be gone a few weeks. When I come back, when I ask the question, "Did you miss me?" the correct answer is yes, terribly, because um, I will miss you uh, for sure. But while I'm gone, you know, I love to to. Uh, listen to stuff on the road as I'm driving. I love to listen to sermons or, or music or whatever, you know, and, and, and it's, it's interesting to me, though. I could have, like, the most, um, you know, the greatest intentions to, to plow through some, some really different books on tape or sermons on tape or whatever, and, and, and if I'm not careful, though, even the words that I want to hear more than anything else, I can just have driven and then go, oh, the CD's over or the MP3 is done, and I don't remember a thing I just heard. You ever have that happen to you? Stuff just gets lost floating around in your, in your brain. Maybe that happens to me a lot more than it happens to some of you. But, but if I'm not careful, even things I want to hear can, can sort of turn into white noise, background noise that you just can tune out. I mean, how many people in here sleep at night with something on, a fan or a, a radio or a television that's set to sleep or something like that? My wife, she, she's one of those people that has to have a fan on. And, and the fan that she got, we moved into this new house, I'm telling you, I think it was one that they used to help launch the space shuttle to, you know, to the moon. Because when she turns that thing on, first of all, she has to like crank it up and, you know, make sure the breakers are all secure in the house. Because when she hits the on, it's like... And I remember the first time that she turned that thing on, it's not even pointing at us. Because if it did, I think we'd probably be against the wall. I think she bought it at one of those wind tunnels for... Probably Rockwell has them in a place or something. I don't know. But... I said, how in the world are we going to sleep with that thing? I just have to have the noise. And I thought, this isn't going to work, you know, but you want to know something? I've become so used to it that I have to have it too now. The other night we went to, uh, to stay with some friends of ours in, in Bettendorf, and we slept in their son's room, and of course we didn't have the, you know, industrial nuclear fan, so I had a hard time falling asleep. Sometimes white noise is just around you, and you just get so used to it, no matter what it is, something that you want to hear or something that you don't want to hear, and it can become just something that disappears into your mind. When we moved into our house in Wilton, I remember, uh, about 2 o'clock in the morning, we, were, we heard, you know, a big train coming right through town at 2 o'clock in the morning. I thought, well, that's cool. That wasn't on the little manual when we moved into town there about what it was like to live there. And I thought, this isn't going to work. But sooner or later, I just was like, hey, does that train still come through? Because when you hear something over and over and over again, right, doesn't it just turn to white noise? Well, I think many of you probably understand where I'm going with this. But as we, we work on the Lord's Prayer, I'll tell you, this is something that if we're not careful, can become white noise to us, can it? There's probably nothing more frequently said in churches than the words, is he done yet? And the Lord's Prayer. And, and I just made that up on the spot, Pastor Mike. Um, they knew it. They knew it. Yeah. Well, when, you know how it is. You come in, you sit down, you repeat the prayer. You've said it 100,000 times in your life. And, and, and you could probably watch TV and do a crossword puzzle and balance your checkbook and still say the Lord's Prayer over and over again and get it exactly right because it has a rhythm. It has a flow to it. It's just something that you've become used to. And if we're not careful it can become white noise. You know, 
That's why Pastor Mike and I are so, are so excited to be able to bring this sermon series to you because we don't want that. You know, Jesus himself said these words in Matthew chapter 6. He said, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans because they think they will be heard because of their many words. We have to recognize that Jesus doesn't want the Lord's prayer to be white noise or any prayer to be white noise to you or to God. Because the fact is this. If there's no meaning behind it, if there's no heart from, from within the prayer, that's exactly what it can become. So one of the best ways to keep that from happening is to understand what the words of the prayer really mean and to own them from your heart, which is why we're so excited to go through this series with you. You know, the, the first week, last week, Pastor Mike talked to you about what it means to, to, to adore God, hallowed be thy name, to recognize that God is not your BFF, which means your best friend forever. The kids already knew that. But that God is your father. He's come and, and he's c- created us. And he's the father, not just any father. He's our heavenly father. He's the king of fathers. He's the, the great father. And we relate to him as such. Well, this is huge. And remember, Jesus gave us this prayer as the way in which we, were sh- we should relate to God. We adore him. Well, today we're going to unpack the next portion of this prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heavens. Now, what these words literally mean in prayer is let your will happen. But not in the sense that we say, you know, like when we're frustrated with someone, oh, fine, have it your way. You know, I mean, we can say that to other people. We can say, fine, let your will be done, whatever. You just have it your way. You ever have someone say that to you? You get in an argument with your, with your, your friends or your coworker or whoever, and, they just, and, and, you know, Pastor Mike and I will be duking it out in his office, you know, and then, and then he'll throw up his hands and say, fine, Keith, have it your way. You all can imagine that, can't you? <laughs> no, we, we, we don't argue about stuff, but, but you, you can have that experience. Is that, you think, what God is asking for in this prayer when he says, thy will be done? thy kingdom come on earth, that's it, that we're supposed to look at God and say, oh, well, whatever you want, that's fine. Not, a, not at all. Not at all. So, so, so I have a, a couple of questions for you when it comes to this, because this, this is meant to be prayed not in frustration or anxiety, but with relationship, a complete sense of submission wrapped in adoration, respect, and relational love, because it's important in any relationship, think about this now, that you understand the will of the other person, right? For you to truly have relationship with someone, you can't just do what they say or what you think they're saying. You have to understand the heart, the will, what they mean, what's happening with that. And the only way you can do that with God is to recognize God for who He is, to love God for who He is, and not just what He does to submit to his will, to treat God like a subject and not simply like an object. And I think you know what that feels like, don't you? To be treated like an object. Oh, you know, when, when, you, when you love someone because of what they do for you or you're loved because of what you do for them. You pay the bills. You take care of the house. You do this. You do that. How many of our relationships are really all about, are more about what we do for each other than rather what we are? And that's not what Jesus has in mind when it comes to our relationship with God. He says we don't love God for what he does. We love God for who he is. So I have two questions for you about that. Are you praying this prayer and meaning it? And are you happy to do so? Think about that. 
Are you praying this prayer and meaning it from your heart, or is it just white noise, babbling words? And are you happy to do so? You're not praying it out of frustration. Okay, God, fine, have it your way. You're praying it with with joy in your heart, with, with love and respect and adoration and submission to a God who you know loves you because he's your great father who is in heaven. So you become happy to do so. There's a big difference. John, John Wesley, he, he, he had a prayer that he adapted that he called the covenant prayer. And, and this is a prayer, I think, that sums up this sentiment very well. And he introduced it into our faith many years ago. And it's, it's familiar to many of you. So I thought I'd just put it up on the screen so you can't read it. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, read it for you. And, and that's just so you know that I wasn't making it up. But here's what this prayer says. And many of you will, will know this prayer. Wesley says this in his covenant prayer. I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed for thee or laid aside for thee. Exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine, and I am thine. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. Now, you can't pray this prayer, this Wesleyan covenant prayer, which is really all about submitting to God, you you can't pray that prayer unless you first understand the point of life and the point of prayer. Did you know you were going to get that today when you came to church? That you were going to get the meaning and the point of life from a guy in ripped up jeans and boots? What a bonus, right? Aren't you excited? Get ready. Strap it on. Here it comes. The point of prayer, the point of life is not about getting things from God, but about getting God. And we'll see as we move into this this scripture coming up that for Jesus, he recognizes that. Because Jesus wasn't just about getting things from God. He wants God. He wants God's will above his own. And I think about our own lives. How many of us couldn't pray the prayer of Jesus on the Garden of Gethsemane, down before the Father in great anguish saying, God, why do you have to do it to me this way? God, why can't I have this? That's not what Jesus said. Jesus says first and foremost, Thy will be done, not my will. You see, life is not about getting things from God or getting God to do what you want Him to do. But many of the times, at least in my own prayer life, my prayer life becomes that way. Think about yours. God, here's the problems I have. Here's the needs I have. Here's the things I want to avoid. And here's the things I want to do. Make it happen, please. Oh, and I've, I've made terrible mistakes. Forgive me for my sins. Help our church grow. Give us this. Take care of me here. Do all that. Did you notice that in Jesus' prayer, the thy will be done comes before give us this day our daily bread? Did you notice that? You see, I think that, I think that has significance. I think the fact that when we come before God, we're told by Jesus as he tells us how to relate to God to to submit our will to God's will before we ever ask him for a thing. And that's the key. We don't love God for what he does for us, but because of who he is. And we can't truly do that 
until we get into his will and submit to it. Jesus in the garden, under great angst, great pain, comes before God and he prays this prayer. And he says, God, is there any other way? But before I get too far, let me just make sure my will is submitted to your will. See, the most important time to pray that prayer in your life is when things aren't going so well. It's our own nightmare, isn't it? To pray that prayer. Thy will be done. Not my will, thy will. That's hard for us, isn't it? I mean, if we're honest, that is our nightmare because we as modern, sophisticated, educated American people in the 21st century, we value above all things control and understanding and, 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 and our will being done. And when we see the life of Jesus and we see the prayer of Christ and we see, wait a second, you know what? This is, this is difficult. We've got to recognize more than ever this goes contrary to our nature. So when is it most important to pray, thy will be done? When is it most important to pray? When you don't understand. When you don't understand. Because sometimes God's will is not to be understood. But it's always meant to be obeyed. If you ever have that sense in your life that things just aren't right, that things just aren't the way they should be, that's the time more than ever to get on your face and say, thy will be done. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Because when you can't understand it, you still have to obey it. When you have those moments where you feel like there's some give us this bread that you're missing, when there's a need in your life that doesn't seem to ever come together, do you ever have those moments where you just can't get it right? and your prayers keep going unanswered and you keep feeling this lack in your life and this void in your life like there's some bread that's not being brought unto your life and you don't get it. That's the time more than ever to come before God and with all submission and reverence in your heart to say, thy will be done, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. God, I'm not after you for what you do for me. I'm after you for you. Because when you have those moments it reveals some, some very critical things, doesn't it? When you have those moments where you're struggling, it reveals that you need to know who God is more and more. It reveals that you need to be shaped by God and you can have an assurance because of what God tells us in Revelation chapter 11. He says, look, at the end of all things, and you sing this every year in Handel's Messiah, right? He says, at the end of all things, God wins. God's will will be done. The kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah has become the kingdom of the world, it says, and he will reign forever and ever. See, when you don't understand it, when I don't understand it, when, when life is hard and things don't work out the way we want them to, when there's a lack of bread and a lack of, of provision for us that we're not feeling like we're getting, that's when we have to rest assured that anything that's happened to us in our lives as we've submitted our lives to God happens because God has allowed it. And that might be tough for some of us, but we have to rest assured that God will, will allow nothing into your life that he won't ultimately rectify in the end. This life is not the end. 
this, this, this life is not the moment where we, where we take stock of everything that God has done and who God is and say, well, how does it work out? Just look at Jesus. Just look at Jesus. Your life isn't about getting things from God. It's about getting God. And Jesus has promised you that anyone who seeks him will find him. Anyone who asks will receive. Anyone who hungers and thirsts for righteousness will be satisfied. So come before the Lord, not with your laundry list of things that you need Him to do for you or to bless for you, but rather come before Him in this prayer of of, of Jesus and say, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, knowing full well that in the end, God gets His way. God gets His way. This quote from C.S. Lewis, I, I, I love it. He, he says this about the end of all things. He says, there are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done, and those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. See, at the judgment seat of God, he's going to give you what you will. When you stand before him at all eternity, if your will was to, to, to love and serve and, and, and worship the living God, and to serve him and be with him eternally, he's going to say to you, thy will be done. Come, enter into paradise. But if your will was to run your own way, to be rebellious and sinful and reject the gospel of Christ and to to live your own way and reject fellowship with God, he's simply going to say to you, thy will be done. Do you struggle with this? Have you come to God in the Lord's prayer asking to be molded by God's will Or is this just simply, after years of repetition, just simply white noise? You see, the truth is this. Anything that we do over and over again can become that. So how do we not do that? How do we fight against that? It's, it's, it's by owning the words and by understanding their meaning. And like we said, and, and, and submitting to God with joy in our hearts, even when things are tough. Because I can tell you this, as hard as it might be to go through life not understanding what God's will always is, but obeying it anyway, and enduring all these things, it's a lot easier than trying to do it on your own or trying to get God to change his will for you. I heard a preacher once say that when it comes to prayer and the, pray, the prayers that we ask and, and don't receive or whatever, that if, if we knew everything God knows then our answer to our prayers would be the same as God's answers to our prayers if we knew everything God knows he knows more than we do his will is greater his will is perfect and if your prayers and my prayers seem to go too often unanswered then maybe it's just because we've been missing the point so as we pray for our lives, as we pray for our church, we had a, a, a day of discernment last week where we gathered together and talk about where we are with our visioning process and, 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 and where we are with what God's... And one of the things that we're convinced of is that God's will for our church is being revealed to us. And that's our honest prayer. It isn't, hey God, we think it'd be really cool to have this kind of church make it happen. That's not our prayer. Our prayer is, God, your will be done with our church. 
Now, help us to make it possible. And praise God, you heard from, from, from Pastor Mike earlier, things are going well financially and, and ministry-wise. People are being saved. And you'll hear in a moment about, about a, 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 some experiences from camp. And you see things happening all around us that, that people's lives are being transformed and, 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 and God's will is being done. And that's something to rejoice about. So as we lock arms together and, and seek to pray this prayer that God has taught us, not as white noise, but as sincere proclamation from hearts that have been molded and are being transformed into the, the will of God, we have the assurance from Jesus that it'll happen. It is happening. And we praise God. We praise God. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we worship and love you, God. And Lord, your will be done for us. God, we agree wholeheartedly with this prayer that simply says, let your will happen. God, we don't want to be people who miss the point of prayer and of life. We don't want to treat you as, a, an, as an object, Lord. God, we want to treat you as our Heavenly Father. We want to submit ourselves to you and then trust adoring you, Lord, then we bring our requests to you, but God, always submitting them unto your will, knowing that it is a good will, knowing that it is trustworthy, knowing that it is unshakable and unmovable and rooted in love, because that's who you are, Lord God. So Lord, we pray that today for our lives. Lord, help us be molded. And God, we pray for our church. Lord, let your will be done at First United Methodist Church in Marion, Iowa. May it be as you wish it to be, Lord. And may we be molded into that, that our wills become united. Even if it's difficult. Even if it costs us. Even if we have to sacrifice. Lord, because just like Jesus did, he prayed that prayer and stepped right into his destiny. Father, may it be so for us whatever it may be, according to your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening. I'm going to invite uh, Amber Markley to come forward now. She's going to share with us just a couple of things about where she has seen. God, let's give Amber a hand. She drove way out here coming to 830 service. Take it away, Amber. Um, I attended summer games two weeks ago, and I really thank you guys for sending all of us up there. There were eight over, well, basically 500 kids from summer games, and 80-plus kids were from this church. So I really thank you guys for that. Um, there are more words than I can say that summer games is. It's really um, just worship and time with your own, um, with your huddles, which is like your family for the week. <coughs> And in worship, the song lyrics move to the kids. And I see that happening here. I see it happening in 412, and I see it happening just in other churches, too. The message is, Wednesday night, our own pastor, Mike Morgan, gave us this phenomenal um, crucifixion night message. It got kids' attention. It made them pay attention and a whole bunch of people were interested. I was able to look around and see that God was moving at summer games 
and I am able to look around now and see that God is moving within our own church, God is moving within Marion, and God is moving all over the world. It's not only because of me, it's, on, it's because of all of the people here. It's because of all of the people trying to reach out to friends and family to try to get them to come. And then those people continue to move. So will the ushers please come forward?